made that. If you have your Bibles this morning, John chapter number 4 is where we'll find ourselves for this morning's service. John chapter number 4. Last week we began preaching about the woman at the well. <clears throat> We're going to again consider this subject this morning. If you're able, if you're able to stand with me, uh, please, when you find your place, John chapter 4, we'll begin our reading in John 4 and verse 15. John 4, verse 15. <clears throat> John chapter 4 and verse 15. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that saidst thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father, Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, where the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto Him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, when he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. What a great portion of scripture, and today we're going to be considering the difference between spiritual water and physical water. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray your blessing on the preaching of your word. Lord, we know that there are people here who no doubt have not been saved. And I pray, Lord, that if there is one here who knows they're not saved, may today be that day of salvation. I pray, Lord, that for those of us who are saved, that this service would be a reminder to us of the day that we did partake of this spiritual water. And, Lord, we do pray that your blessing would be upon the service in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. John chapter number 4 is a, a glorious passage in the Bible. It is a... A very important passage in the Bible because it discusses the need that men have and women have in their soul. Last week we learned that Christ needed to go through Samaria, an area that was not often traveled because of prejudice by the Jews toward the Samaritans. Now as we turn our attention to the actual conversation that the Lord had with this woman, it is clear that Christ was trying to get her to think differently. And the woman was struggling with this concept. Today we're going to dive into this conversation between Christ and the woman and take a look at some of the surrounding cultural views of the day and the truths that were shared by Christ that led to this woman's salvation. Now, in order to come to salvation, you must have a knowledge of the truth. Without it, you cannot be saved. It is important what you believe in your heart. You cannot get saved without the truth. You must believe the truth. 
in order to be saved. Where do we find truth? Grandma told me the truth. My preacher told me the truth. Culture told me the truth. Instagram told me the truth. Facebook told me the truth. You could say no to most of all the things that I just said. Now, I am not trying to be disrespectful to your family, those who came before you. But I want to encourage you that if your family was wrong before you on what they taught you about the Bible, you need to believe what the Bible says. Let God be true and every man a liar. If someone teaches something that's against God's word about God, you need to reject it. Jesus even taught that here, said some very strong things to this lady. She needed to believe the truth. The Bible says, sanctify them with the, or through thy truth. Thy word is truth. This book is true altogether. You can trust this book. The devil will get you to say, and I heard this in jail a lot, amazingly. People in jail take advice from other people in jail. Can I recommend to you, don't take advice from people who are professional criminals. That's not who to get spiritual advice from. Don't parrot what they say. That doesn't make you smart. It doesn't make you smart when you say what some other person said who was wrong. That makes you foolish. Foolish people follow other foolish people. And sometimes the most foolish of voices grab our young people's attention. You know what Satan did to Eve? He got her to believe that God didn't have her best in mind for her. And he got her to believe that God's word wasn't true. And what happened to her? Let's see how it worked out for Eve to disobey God. Did the devil tell her that one of her kids would murder another? Did, her de did the devil tell her that she was going to have pain in childbirth and be subject to her husband? Did the devil tell her that this sin that she was about to commit was going to change her life forever? No, he didn't tell her any of that. He just said, hey, if you do this, it'll be good for you. That was a huge rabbit trail. I'm going to try to stick to my notes. Now, if you consider, in order to come to salvation, you must have the knowledge of the truth. Without it, you cannot be saved. The first word spoken by Christ in the relationship to this woman is found in verse number 7. Jesus was sitting on a well, wearied at midday. The woman comes up at midday in order to draw water. Thinking about this, this is very abnormal. Just as a roofer would, if a roofer's going to work on a roof, they typically, if they know there's going to be a hot day, they don't start work at midday. They start work early in the morning. It was not typical for a woman to come to the well alone. Women normally traveled with other women, even during this, this time. It's still true today. Ladies, you should watch your surroundings. When you leave your workplace, you need to use your, your, your eyes, your ears. You need to watch for danger. This woman was traveling alone. She went there at midday, probably because she didn't have very many friends. Probably because the other ladies that she may have traveled to the well with early in the morning may have criticized her or judged her because of her lifestyle. We don't know all that the reason that she was there at midday. All we know is that she came down to that well and the first words Jesus said to her was, give me to drink. It's a great thing. Jesus was trying to deal with some things in the woman's life. 
Now, after the woman's response, she basically made it clear that Jews and Samaritans had nothing to do with each other. And in John chapter number 4, we did not read this in our text today. We're just trying to do a bit of review. And Jesus said in verse number 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest or knowest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So number one. You know, as you see Christ's uh, response to the woman, he, he, he created some questions in her mind. Number one, he said, if thou knowest the gift of God, what is the gift of God? He said, if you knew about the gift of God and who I am who's t- talking to you, you ever been talking to somebody and you didn't know they were famous? You didn't know that they'd made it? <laughs> I've had the privilege in my life to to meet some famous people. Anybody met anybody famous in here? Just lift your hand. I'm not going to call on you. A couple people met famous people. I put a picture up on the website of a basketball player that I used uh, used to watch on TV many years ago. His name was Jason Williams, number two pick in the NBA draft. Me and my wife were leaving a restaurant in Indianapolis a few months ago, and I saw him, and I asked him if I could get a picture with him. And I use that as a spiritual thing on our website to, to say, hey, God's keeping score, okay? But there have been occasions in my life that I've met somebody famous. I've never personally met Jesus Christ and laid eyes on him. When this woman came to the well, she had no idea who he was. So when he said give her to drink, or give, it, give him to drink, he was trying to take her down the tracks. He was trying to get her to the point where she'd have to acknowledge some things. He said, if you, if you knew who I was, if you knew the gift of God, John or Romans chapter number 3 and verse 23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life. This is talking about heaven when we die. He said, if you knew about the gift of God, you'd be asking me for a drink. She didn't know about the gift of God. She didn't know about eternal life. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He said, if you knew about this gift of God, you'd have been asking me for a drink of my water. And notice here how the woman says in verse 11, you don't have anything to draw with. Where's your your bucket? You've got no bucket. How are you going to give me any water? (laughs) What is, Jesus is talking to her about a kind of water she ain't never had before. Sorry about my language. You know, it wasn't exactly grammatically correct. Okay, uh, my my spiritual gift of sarcasm is coming through. Lord, forgive me. Okay, so uh, Jesus was offering her water that she had never partaken of before. And he's trying to get her to acknowledge that. And when she says, hey, you've got no bucket and the well is deep. How are you going to give me any water? Where does this living water come from? And then she asks, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? You know why people dug wells? (laughs) I used to have a house in Michigan and it had a terrible well that delivered water to the house. The water was incredibly sulfury, needed a a big water softener. In fact, the well was very deep. And every now and again, that well started to kind of crash in and the water supply would be cut off to the house. Amazingly, many years ago in this place in Michigan, people discovered that even though there was a 
a, a very deep well, as they drilled down over 300 feet in the ground, there was a spring or there was a water supply beneath the surface. People in Bible times understood that. Jacob did. But I want to say something. Jacob didn't give that well of water. It was the Lord who created the earth. You know who created the earth to be sustained the way, you know, uh, the way that it is today? You know who gives you your vegetables and your food? You know who created the world? The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This world was formed wonderfully. It's a wonderful thing to think about that you can drill into the earth and water will come out. It's a wonderful thing. You know, in the very same area, they've drilled and found oil. I wonder where that came from. Now, she's talking. She's asking questions. Where are you going to give me this water from? So in verses 13 and 14, Christ's response was the comparison between physical water and spiritual water. The water from this well... You know, verses number 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. This water from this well. Verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Three things the Lord deals with in in these verses. Number one, the water from this well, this physical well, is earthly water. And if you drink it, you're going to be thirsty again. But drinking from the water that I can give quenches your thirst eternally, forever, once and for all. Those who drink the water, the water from Christ, have a well from inside of them that springs up into everlasting life. Now that is a great verse. In verse 15, her response is very telling. First of all, in verse 15, The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Number one, she wanted the water that Christ offered. She wanted a a water to where if she drank it, she'd never thirst again. Number two, she didn't want to be thirsty anymore. Number three, she didn't want to draw water anymore. Now, if you were a lady in Bible times and your husband was out working, I wonder how many of you ladies would really like to get out of your house every day and go down to a well, uh, attach your bucket to a rope, and lower that down, and then bring it all the way back up. It's a lot of physical exercise. You know, one of the reasons that our culture is the way it is is because people have now become so lazy they don't get out and do anything. But this woman saw the great benefit of never having to come down to this well to get water again. I don't want to draw anymore. You're telling me that I can get a water that I'll never thirst again? I'll never have to come to this well again. That's not what kind of water Jesus is offering, folks. Jesus is talking spiritual. She's thinking physical. She wanted Christ for what he could do for her. You know, there were other people in the Bible who did just that and didn't get saved. There's a couple of thieves on the cross. One of them wanted Christ for what he could do. The other one took Christ for who he was. At this point in time, the woman is looking at Christ saying, Hey, if you've got this water, I want it for how it can benefit me. It was at this point, you know, that the Lord told her to go and get her husband. Now, I'd like to say this. She wanted her life to become easier. And I want to say this. Christ doesn't save people to make their lives easier. And nowhere in the Bible does it tell you that if you take Christ as your Savior, that your life will be easier. In fact, it says it's going to get harder. Sometimes you lose family relationships. Sometimes people reject you in life. Sometimes people scorn you. 
you know, this, this world is a difficult place to live. You know, she wanted her life to come, you know, the, the easiest analogy to give to her, this is sometimes when people get money, sometimes they hire servants or laborers, which is no different than what happened in Bible times. You know, you're right, remember in the Old Testament, there was a guy named Naaman, he was a Syrian soldier, and he had a wife who had a little maid who was a servant. And, and one time a preacher said, I wonder what the little maid did. I wonder what the little maid's responsibilities were. And when he gave the answer to the question, it was simple. She did everything that Mrs. Naaman didn't want to do. That's what people did when they have money. It's no different than today. You know, people have money and sometimes they hire people to do the things that they personally don't want to do. And one of the things, obviously, that this woman didn't want to do was come down to this well anymore. But Christ wanted her to be aware of some things. First of all, he told her to go get her husband, not because he didn't know of her present marital situation. He wanted her to be aware that he was aware of everything that was in her past. Now let's turn in our Bibles back to Psalm chapter 139. Hang with me for just a few more minutes this morning. Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, which is a psalm of David, David begins by saying these things. He says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. He goes on to say some other things in what we would consider to say uh, maybe old English language. But we're going to read the scripture and then we'll dive into a little bit about what all this means. Verse 2, Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down and aren't acquainted with all my ways. For, lo, for there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast set me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. You say, what, what, are, what are all these verses referring to? It's referring to, to God being all-knowing. Knowing where you came from. You know, I have a mixed pedigree, if you will. My mother's from Germany. My father, our ancestors are either from Poland or Austria. You know, we're kind of a, a mixed, uh, we're, we're kind of a, my pedigree is not a perfect pedigree. I'm not all of one nation, if, that, if that's the way uh, I can put it to you. And, and probably not many of us are of a pure pedigree today. What I can tell you is this, is that God knows everybody who made up your existence. He knows your DNA. As a matter of fact, he gave that to you. God knows everything that you've ever done. God knows every place you've ever been. He knows you're down-sitting and you're uprising. He understands the way you think. You can't even say a word before the Lord understands where that word came from. A heart of sin or a, a heart of righteousness. There's nothing about your life that God doesn't understand. There's no place you've ever been that God does not know. There's no secret that you think you have from other people that God has not seen. God has seen everything about you. Matter of fact, God says that he knows the number of hairs that are on your head. Some of you, that's fewer than others. But God still knows the amount of hair that is on your head. The Bible talks about the sum of thoughts that he has towards people. Listen, God is all-knowing. There's nothing you can do to hide from the Lord. This woman in John chapter number 4 had a sordid past. She's someone who was unlikely to have had a conversation with the Lord, at least from the disciples' view. In John chapter number 4, when they got back to town, verse 27 says that the disciples marveled. 
They marveled that Christ was talking to her. That he talked with... No, it should have been no marvel to them because these are exactly the kind of people that Christ came to save. <laughs> so, first of all, Christ wanted her to be aware that he, w- he knew all about her past. And Christ wanted he- her to be aware that he knew about her present situation. Can I say this to you today, friend? You're sitting in the Metropolitan Baptist Church in Fort Worth, Texas. God knows everything that's going on in your life and there's nothing that's hidden from Him. Are you dealing with a burden? Are you dealing with a heartache? Are you dealing with something that seems above your head to deal with? I want to let you know that Christ identifies with you. You can come to Him in prayer. God hears the prayers of His people. Now, if you read the next few verses of John chapter number 4, there was a discussion between Christ and the woman after He reveals to her about her, her past marriages and even her present living situation. She said in verse number 19 that she perceived that Christ was a prophet. Now, Christ was much more than a prophet. The Bible says in verse number 20 that the woman was starting to talk to him probably about her cultural perspective of worship, things that she had been taught. In verse 20, our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. As you look into the context here, you can see the way that Christ viewed this. First of all, the Old Testament worship was often centered around a given location, a mountain. Or the Jews thought that the Lord wanted to worship. And at times in in history, worship was centered around a particular place. Like Shiloh, that's where the temple was. Or uh, further than that, in Jerusalem, that was the center of worship. Both Jews and Samaritans did recognize that God commanded their forefathers to seek such a place. However, these two groups of people developed different conclusions. The Jews said, we ought to worship at Jerusalem. While the Samaritans had the idea that they would worship at this mountain called Gerizim. It's likely that the Samaritan woman even brought up this topic to get the Lord off of her back. Leave me alone. We don't have an agreement on religion. We don't have an agreement on where we need to worship or we're supposed to worship. The woman suggests that the main concern is not how we are to worship, but the place where we worship. That's a pretty bad assumption, don't you think? Would it not matter what our heart and where our hearts are as opposed to the place? Some of us who have been in this room have never even been to Jerusalem. I haven't. Before the inventions of modern travel, it would be very rare for someone who was born in this area of the world to ever go to a place like Jerusalem. And so the Lord begins to talk to her about these issues, and He puts it to her very plainly in verse number 21. He says, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither worship in this mountain, nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. He's saying it's not about the place where you're at. And then he says this, and this was not a flattering comment. Now Christ wasn't a sinner. So what he said to this woman was not sinful. He was trying to point out some truths. He said, ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. Have you ever heard somebody make a bad joke about Jewish people? (laughs) You ever have people that had negative opinions about the Jews? A low opinion about a Jewish person. You know, I want, to, I want to tell you, you ought to be careful about how you think about the Jews. This book that I hold right here is a Jewish book. It gives us a history of the Jews. The Bible says that in 
the seed of Abraham or the descendants of Abraham, all the families of the earth would be blessed. The Bujak family has been blessed by this Jewish nation, by this Jewish book, by my Jewish Savior. By a Jew named Abraham who left Ur of the Chaldees. You know, Abraham was the father of the Jews. And through Abraham came Jesus Christ. I actually appreciate the Jews. The author of the Bible was a Jew. <laughs> all, the, all, the, all the authors were Jewish. The first messengers were Jews. And salvation and the true worship of the God of the Bible came and was taught to us through Jews. Be careful how you think of the Jews. Matthew 1.1 says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I'm thankful for the Jewish people. And I'm thankful for Jesus Christ. Now coming back from the, to this woman, Jesus offered her water and spoke of the gift of God. First of all, I'd like to present to you today a scriptural truth in John chapter 4. Again, Jesus did not bring up her relationships or her marriages or the fact that she was living together and not married with someone in order to keep her down. He was only bringing up something that was truthful, something she had to acknowledge before she received the Savior, and that is that she had to acknowledge her sin. You realize this, that until you acknowledge sin, you can't get saved? Until you acknowledge that you personally are a sinner and apart from God, you can't get saved. You can't partake of the water unless you acknowledge your sin. The other thing is this, you can't partake of the spiritual water of Christ unless you acknowledge, I've never partaken of that before. You ever met somebody and you say, hey, when did you get saved? And they say something like this, I've always been saved. I've always loved God. That's not scripturally true. You know who you're born loving when you come into this world? Yourself. You don't have to teach a child to be selfish. They're naturally selfish. You know, good parents have to teach their children that the world does not revolve around them. They continually disobey. They, they lie. They cheat. They steal. Little children do all those things. You don't have to teach them to do those things. They just do it naturally because some things come with the birth. In John chapter number 4, when Jesus told her to go and get her husband, she had to recognize, and when he said, hey, if you want this water, you'll never thirst again, she was saying, I've never had it before. Has there ever been a time in your life when you recognized that you had never partaken of Christ's water? Now listen, you can't fake this. You either have or you haven't. You've either partaken of Christ or you haven't. There's only one way to partake of Him, and that's by faith. The Lord didn't give me physical water when I came down to an altar and got saved. He gave me spiritual water. And by way of salvation, I've never thirsted again, ever. My salvation doesn't rest in my works or my performance. God doesn't save me based on my performance on my last day on earth. Some people believe that if you, you commit an act of sin on your last day on earth, that certainly you won't go to heaven when you die. Well, what does that mean about your worldview of salvation? Do you really think that if you're thinking only good and righteous thoughts on the day of your death, that only then will you go to heaven? Do you believe you're only going to go to heaven if somebody of the religious order comes and sprinkles water on you on your deathbed? No, that's not where your faith needs to rest, folks. Those things are religious and traditions. The Bible speaks about Jesus Christ. He is our salvation. He said, if you partake of my water to this woman... You'll never thirst again. Number three, she couldn't partake while believing the things she was taught about the place of worship. Jesus confronted the things she believed that were wrong. 
Do you realize that if God is going to truly be worshipped, you have to worship Him in truth? Oh, that rubs me wrong, Pastor. Are you saying that, you know, only those who believe the Bible and what the Bible propones about Christ and God are the only ones who actually go to heaven when they die? Well, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But there are a lot of people in this world who think that all religions end to the same place. It's like a wheel that has a bunch of spokes and they all lead to the same place. We believe in Allah and we believe in Muhammad and we believe in Jesus. No, no, no. One way and only one, only Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, she had to recognize that no matter what she was taught by her parents, by her ancestors, that this place was the place where they ought to worship, that she had to receive Him as the Messiah and the Christ. She couldn't partake while remaining in the pride of her pedigree. She was basically saying, are you greater than Jacob, our father? Are you greater than the pedigree that I have? I want to tell you something. You know, all this pride in the pedigree, I'm thankful that Jesus came from a perfect pedigree. He certainly did. He was a Jew. But as far as that perfect pedigree goes, sinners were in the lineage of Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ wasn't a sinner. He didn't have an earthly father. He was born of a virgin. Aren't you thankful for the precious blood of Jesus? You know, some of you can stand together today, and as we're singing that song about the blood, Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. You don't even know what's going on. I want to tell you something. When I'm able to bellow it out and sing, and I love to sing, I'm not singing for you. I'm not singing for the guy next to me. I'm singing for the Lord. I love to sing to the Lord. I thank God for that flow from Jesus that covered my sins. You know why Jesus did that? Because of the dirty thoughts I thought. Because of the things that I had done to let the Lord down. My sins. Jesus died for me. And he shed that precious flow, his blood, so that I might be saved. Have you ever partaken of the Lord Jesus Christ by faith? She couldn't partake of this while remaining in the pride of her pedigree. She could only partake if she acknowledged the truth. What truth did this woman partake of in John chapter number 4? What did she say in this passage? She, one thing that this woman had been told previously, before we close this morning, one thing that she had been told truly was that one day the Messiah would come, who was called Christ. You know, the Bible talks about Jesus, who was then called Christ. Christ is his title. The word Christ means anointed one. When the angel announced Jesus' birth, he didn't say that his name would be called Jesus Christ. He said, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Oh, the precious name of Jesus. But Jesus took on a, a title named Jesus Christ. He was the anointed one, the Messiah. He was the one who is, the one who was, the one who always would be. Jesus Christ. You know, many people have talked about Jesus Christ. There were some things that I skipped over in my notes this morning talking about Jesus. You know, Jesus, one preacher made Jesus, he said this about Christ. He said that he could make an ignorant man wise. He could take a bad man and he could make him good. And a good man and make him better. And even a dead man could be made alive through Jesus Christ. The Bible speaks of Jesus being the Alpha and the Omega, the Lily of the Valley, the friend of sinners. He's the true healer of sickness and the giver of life to the soul. And the good old preacher said he healed the multitudes without medicine and made no charges for his services. That is Christ. 
And that's just the beginning of the description of Jesus Christ. I want to say this to you today, friend. Have you ever received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by faith? Have you ever come to the Lord knowing that I've never partaken of this spiritual water, I've never been saved? If you want to partake of the Lord, He offers you that very same water as He offered this woman. What did she believe? She believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. In verse number 25, she said, I know that Messiah cometh which is called Christ. When he has come, he will, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, you're looking at him. I'm the Messiah. You know, the actions that she took then, you know what? She came down with her water pot. You realize that the, the verses, we didn't even read it today. Verse 28, she left her water pot. She went to the city. And she was then talking to other people about coming out to see a man. And notice what she said. Come see a man that told me all that I ever did. There's a man out there who he knows everything about my past. I want to say to you, friend, that Jesus wants to, he, he wants to forgive you. No matter what background you have, no matter what you've been guilty of, Jesus Christ died for your sins. He is the Messiah. That was the truth that she acknowledged, that he was the anointed one. The Messiah was the promised deliverer of the Jewish people, the one who would, who would eventually bear their sins. You realize at this time that Christ had not yet died on Calvary. His blood had not yet been shed for sins, but she believed on Him. And I believe the moral of the story is if you read through this passage, she came looking for earthly water, and the reason she left her water pot was she had found the heavenly water. That spiritual water that Christ had offered her, she partook of it and it changed her life. Then she became a great soul winner. She went out and start, started to witness to people in her town and bring people out to go and see about this man. And many people in this city were saved as a result of this. I want to ask you today, friend, one more time. Are you saved today? Have you ever believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? If you haven't, I want to invite you to receive Christ during this invitation. Let's, bow, let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we prepare for this verse. An invitation with, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. It's a time in our church where we invite people to respond towards what they've heard. You know, you may not be so familiar with a, a Baptist church or how church services are, are ordered. But this is basically a time where you can say, hey, something that the pastor said or something is working in my heart, I need to respond to that. I need to go down to the altar and pray. And if you are somebody who comes down to the altar and prays and, and you need help, you need somebody to help you trust Christ, I want to let you know that there are people who are here today who would love to show you from the Bible how to be saved. If there are members of this church right now who are saved, I think what you probably should be doing is praying for your neighbor. There could be somebody in here and the Lord's been working in your life to say, hey, you need to be saved. Before it's too late. You're here in church today. The Lord's spoken to your heart. If He spoke to you, please come. Please come and receive Christ. And if there's something else going on in your life today, maybe God has dealt with you in your life and you need to come and use this altar for prayer. Jesus said that my house should be called the house of prayer. Don't avoid or neglect this daily opportunity we have, especially when we come to the Lord's house. As Brother John sings, I want to invite you to respond. Come every soul, I send the Anybody here need to be saved? You don't know the Lord?
Savior. You've never partaken of that spiritual walk. are never closed there could be somebody here today and you may not have the courage to walk down the aisle and say pastor I need to get saved or would you pray for me I've got an issue but I want you to know that when these services are over I stand in the back to tell everybody goodbye if you need to talk with me we'll separate time to talk to you or we'll put somebody in a room with you to where they can show you from the Bible how you can be saved by God's grace now, there could be somebody in here today, and you've, you have been saved. You've trusted Christ, but you've never followed the Lord in scriptural baptism. And you said, the Lord's been working on me. This is your verse, if, if that's what you need to do. There could be somebody here today, and you're not a member of any church, but you'd like to join this church by statement of faith or by joining up with us, uh, by promise of a letter from another church. If, if, anything you need to do that God's telling you to do, if there's still somebody here today that... You need to respond by getting saved. We've got time, folks. It's the Lord's house. 
Just do what God put in your heart to do. You'll be thankful for it. As we sing this last verse. Come every soul by said amen Amen. we uh, appreciate you coming to the lord's house today and we pray that your heart's been blessed by the music the message and the fellowship of god's people Uh, please do your best to try to be back tonight at six o'clock we have a evening service it probably is going to be a whole lot more beneficial to your soul than who's ever playing football this evening i hope and pray that you'll be back at six o'clock tonight for our evening service and uh, pray that god would use these services in your lives And uh, be praying for one another. You know, uh, pray for people. You know, the the devil really fights people from even getting to church. He fights people, uh, you know, from responding to the message of the truth. And uh, I just want to say, if you're visiting with us today, I want you to feel so welcome. And to know that the people at the Metropolitan Baptist Church truly appreciate you blessing us with your presence. And I I pray that, you know, uh, you have felt the spirit of...